You're listening to The Tuesday Club with Sean and Kyle. Can't see Kyle. Borida, what do you mean you can't see me? Well, it's a great start to a podcast, isn't it? Hello, everybody. It's another Tuesday Club episode with me, Kyle Reese, and Sean Hawley. How's it going, Sean? Uh, all right, thanks. Yeah, sporting my retro Wales jersey because our special guest uh, is wearing a retro shirt. So I've gone 1970s, uh, never got a chance to wear one as a player. So uh, always love putting it on. Yeah, we've got, we got a very special guest today and it was his request. We all wear retro jerseys. I don't have one uh, myself, but I do have a new Welsh jersey, so I put that on. Today we've got on the Tuesday Club the lovely Matt Johnson. What's happening, boy? I'm good. How, how's it going, lads? You all right? Yeah, very well, very well, mate. How's it going in London, all right? Oh, it's okay. I mean, uh, this lockdown is, yeah, it's, it's proven to be difficult at the same time. It's, it's proven to be quite nice at times. The sun is shining today and we're very lucky to have a garden. So it's been all right so far. How's it going for you? Yeah, good, mate. Good, apart from, the, like you, uh, the bit of a hair malfunction. Uh, I've got, got the lovely straight locks like you. I've got the Mrs. Doubtfire curls, and uh, it grows out. So, as I said on previous podcasts, man, for those who remember, I probably will look like Leo Sayer when um, when this lockdown is finished. But other than that, good, man. bit like you, lucky with a garden, lucky with a good bit of a gym and two teenage boys who were getting me in there. So, uh, you know, apart from the obvious, okay. Matt, you've been, uh, you've been posting a lot on your socials, uh about the growth of the hair and the beard, and I was so proud of you when I seen it the other day. I know you've gone and shaved it and trimmed it all up nice. I know, I know. The thing is, the idea of it was um, not practical. So I, I, was, I started, it got really heavy underneath there, and I, and, and I thought I'd trim it, but I, I messed it up. I haven't had a beard uh, for like five years, and I, over, I just overdid it. But I'm going back into my growth. Uh, it's, it's, it made me learn a big lesson. The destination wasn't as good as the process of growing it, if you know what I mean. I had to be, and I was like, man, growing it's the fun part, isn't it? So I've gone back to that stage. Yeah, I think and, um, you know, like you're on TV a lot, and uh, I do my TV bits, and in all seriousness, uh, facial hair and hairstyles, you, you know, they expect you to, to look good, don't they? Your, your, your image, you're a clean-cut image, you're on TV a lot. If you want to grow a beard or something like that, there's there's... It's a difficulty of the in-between, isn't it? People say to me, oh, you've only got half a beard on, or you shave, you scruffy, so-and-so, and that. So you've either got to be one or the other, <laughs> haven't you? Do you know what? It's, it's really interesting how everybody's kind of um, just living their own like ways of how to live your life, so growing a beard or whatever it is. These small things, as you know, um, in the TV industry, you, you have that fear of judgment uh, of what people are going to say. Uh, on Twitter or, or Instagram or wherever, because and I, I know in the sporting world as well, especially in sports broadcasting, there's lots of guys, and guys aren't uh, they aren't shy of voicing their opinion about if you you know a bit of a scruff or if you've got a bit of dandruff or anything. <laughs> um, but I've noticed recently in the last definitely five to six years is that everybody is living in that fear because of social media now. People are broadcasting every day, and people are really becoming more self-conscious and self-aware. Because of this fear of judgment, and one of the big things I've noticed throughout this this lockdown that we're all in at the moment because of coronavirus, it's uh, I think a lot of people have just gone sod it. I'm just going to do exactly what I want, and I think yeah, you are you are right. I I worry a lot about what people think, and um, had a really interesting conversation with my girlfriend about it um, about a couple of weeks ago. Was was the beard like I was I wasn't having a beard because I thought that one of my employers wouldn't like it. And, and in all honesty, nobody cares. Nobody cares. They just want me to do my job. Yeah. I've just been in this mold of I've only got certain into certain rooms or certain jobs because of a certain image that I have, which is nonsense. I think uh, it's taken me till, till 37 to realize my, my worth as such, and not to sweat the small stuff like growing a beard. It's tiny, but it's an interesting point. Well, I only get jobs when I've when I've grown a beard, so it's, it's the opposite <laughs> yeah. for me. Literally, for that, the, the last five years, obviously, it's, it's, it's not unknown to people. The jobs that I've done, they've all been American TV shows where I've had to have either, like the first time we met Matt, I had like a massive beard, didn't I? 
And it was huge. That, it was massive. That, that yeah. was, that's the only time I've got a job in the last five years is when I've had a beard. So <laughs> it's, all, it's, it's, it's for presenters and pundits like yourselves on, you know, where the nation sees you and you, like Sean was saying, you've got to be all clean cut. But for actors, I think we're all just a bunch of scruffy buggers and we really. Well, you've just got to be whoever you're paid to be. I yeah. think that's what's interesting. It's, it's, a, it's a bit more distracted and separated. So they want you to be a p- character, yep. which is easy for you then to go into that character. Whereas, and I think TV presenting, and Sean will back me up with this, it, it's you, it's, it's that fear of judgment. Like, yeah, if you're, you're playing yourself. Like, yeah, some, yeah you're yourself, really. Effectively, yeah, you do. You have to kind of, this, that, this, you know, you're, you are a kind of broadcaster at that time. You're not completely yourself. And and really interestingly, yeah, you you are that fear of like. So if you played a part and somebody went, "Oh, I hate that outfit," you'd be like, "Well, I'm in character. It's, you know, it's costumes <laughs> fault." But like with us, it's all us. It's <laughs> yeah. all you, and that's well, the fear. I was in Japan in October for the World Cup, and uh, there was a group of Welshies in a bar that uh, Shane Williams and I went into, and um, a guy came over who I knew, and uh, he said, "Look, there's." Um, there's a couple that we're with over there, and she's a big fan of yours on Scrum Fight. Will you, will you go and say hello? And I said, yeah, yeah, of course. Over I went. She was a lovely lady, and uh, she'll listen to this, so she'll know this now. And uh, she said, oh, I love you on Scrum Fight. I said, oh, thanks very much. I said, you know, I'm so glad you watch, and my job is to just do some analysis. Hopefully, you get a better insight to the game. I'm getting all sort of technical, and she's just going, yeah, she said, but uh, can you do me one favor when you're on? Those trousers that you wear, can you keep wearing them? <laughs> and, I, and I've sort of gone, oh, oh. And her husband's next. And I've gone, what do you mean? I really like the tight ones around your waist. Oh, my <laughs> goodness gone, gracious oh, me. I've, n- I've not worn them since. You know, I've not. Because <laughs> oh. I'm so, cause as you say, Matt, I'm talking about self-conscious. Blame me, Charlie. So, yeah, you've got to be you've got to be a bit careful, I suppose. I'm going to get a dog bark in here now because Jack's my uh, one-year-old black lab despises postman. Oh, and, really? Yeah, the postman are delighted it's locked down because they don't have to come in. They don't even really have to touch anything. They just drop it and run. <laughs> He's going to go next time. <laughs> well, what a cliche. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is, isn't it? He's a beautiful dog, but he's just one big cliche. So, Matt, what have we been up to then, mate? What have we been up to in isolation? What have we been doing? Um, I've thrown myself into my work. So a part of my job, a major part of my life, actually, is to raise awareness uh, for mental health uh, and to try and uh, create platforms and spaces for people to be um, safe and vulnerable and honest. Um, so my my my... My entire purpose over the last four or five years has been to try and combine my my life and my work and my passions, and I'm doing that. So I saw this entire pandemic as an opportunity to, because obviously people will suffer more than ever because of this yeah. this imposed lockdown, and I, and I have a great fear of the, the negative ramifications of this virus to our, towards our mental health. So I've thrown everything into that, really. I've... Um, Maybe too much at times, um, uh, you know, because it's all consuming. As as you all know, when you mix your life and your work and your passion together, there's there's not enough hours in the day because you just want to work all the time, and there's always something to do. So I've um, I've created a directory, a mental health directory for people to go to and use and to access mental health experts during this time, uh, free to use. Uh, we've created a uh, mental health journal. Uh, called the Check-In Journal, which is um, now free to download as a PDF on the checkin.co. And also I've been doing lives kind of like this with um, numerous people trying to normalize the stresses and the the mental health uh, conversations around uh, coronavirus. So it's been, for me, very busy, very, very busy. And as well... Um, a bit, uh, a bit drunken as well because there's just nothing else to do. Like, um, like yesterday, we have just kind of finished by two in the afternoon and had a couple of margaritas. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's great work, Matt. Um, I mean, in normal day-to-day life, it's such a massive issue um, in in all walks of life. I mean, I've experienced a lot of it myself with my job. Um, and just being a, a, a husband, a father, you know, a parent brings about a huge amount of uh, of 
pressure and um, emotion and mental stress and you know as blokes you know 30 40 something like nearly 50 something then yeah we're quite macho and we egotistical we keep it to ourselves but i suppose the message is always now and it's far more prevalent the message with people like yourselves advocating it is to is to get out there and talk about it and and share and um you know that sort of eases the burden a little bit even if it's just your mate or somebody you haven't met before saying do you know what i'm going through similar things yeah i think you hit the nail on the head it's a very macho world especially where you your line of work came from you know that locker room mentality sticks with you and that's where the issues are you have um the, it's the biggest killer of young men uh maybe before the coronavirus now but you know mental health disorders and suicide is really affecting young men it was a suicide uh, it's many in south wales um I, there was one at Caffili rugby club last year and it's affecting all of us you know one way or another and and the fact of the matter is you know we all have mental health we like physical health and we're all going to have difficult times. It doesn't mean that we're all going to have anxiety or depression or, or, or chronic mental illness, but we're all, we're all going to get stressed out during exams or the pressures of being a father, you know, pressures of being a human these days, you know, with like the likes of social media and keeping up with the Jones, et cetera, is really affecting us and, and deeply affecting men. And it's the correlation between not feeling like you will be listened to um, or the fear of judgment uh, from and the 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 obvious one uh, the 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 fear of um, somebody judging you because you're being vulnerable and seeing vulnerability as a weakness and and like you say you know there's there's so many people out there that want to help and what the one thing that everybody could do especially guys right now is to as you said talk to somebody you know very and. And before this lockdown situation, that was a huge issue, the stigma attached to vulnerability. Um, now, you know, we have families all under one roof. All the family dynamics are all changed. You've got people without purpose. You've got people that aren't going out to collect food or go and do the normal things or, or to earn money, all these things. And all this, um, this, this caged mentality is going to affect people. And so, yeah, I've been encouraging this this open conversation for men and women um, across the UK and the world, really, because I, I genuinely believe the art of conversation and connection is being lost. And that will, I think, uh, no, in no doubt, affect lots of people's mental health, especially right now. Yeah, my wife works in social care and she's working from home and uh, it's heightened during this sort of caged atmosphere, you can imagine. Um, families with difficulty, shall we say, uh, it's heightened because they, they're caged up. They have to spend more time with each other, which isn't probably conducive to the family environment. So it's pretty stressful on the workers as well as those involved. But look, look that's great stuff. Um, we want to talk on the Tuesday Club a little bit about your uh, dual passions, your showbiz TV career, but also rugby. I mean, I think the last time I saw you in person, mate, was down in New Zealand, wasn't it? Uh, on yeah. the Lions Tour. You were there with the uh, well, what a tour, Corbs. You were there with uh, Alex Corbusiero, and um, obviously you're wearing your Hurricane shirt from the '90s, which is great. Uh, look, are you missing the rugby? Because we saw you used to have, having it on tap to go live or on TV. Are you missing it? Yeah, I'm missing it uh, desperately. Actually, I really am. Um, one of my favourite things to do in the world, as as Kyle knows, is go to go to the rugby and have a good day out. I'm Mikey Rea, as we call him in Kifili, I'm all day. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've talked a lot about what I'm looking forward to, what other people are looking forward to when this all finishes. And I cannot wait to go and go and see a game. I cannot wait to be surrounded by that energy. And uh, well, it doesn't matter who's playing either. I just, I just can't wait to just get that atmosphere, have a day out with your mates and friends and family. And, and as well, just, you know, I've been watching the Lions tour, you know, they've been replaying the Lions games on Saturday mornings. And I mean, just watching a live game uh, and you don't know what the score is going to be. That it's, it's, isn't it wonderful how uh, we appreciate something so much when it's gone? And I think sport in general, like as a, as a great unifier, you know, it's in times like these, it shows really what's really important. And um in the grand scheme of things, sport, it's a game and, you know, and all that stuff, you know, people's lives are more important, but it's something that we all really need. I desperately need 
to come together and watch a game. You know, I, uh, I'd love to go down to Caffili and watch watch a game down there or or the Millennium. I'm gutted that we didn't get to to, to beat Scotland, to be honest. That would have been a great one. <laughs> to beat them. We were sure of that, well, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> I think we needed the win, didn't we? Uh, we had Hoggy on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and he was pretty sure that uh, they were going to come to Cardiff and do a job on us. But uh, no, I've, I've 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 been in a couple of um, rugby matches today. It's always a fun day. But no, I, I think I'm a bit a bit the same. You know, I, I, every Saturday I have sort of a ritual. Ever since I moved to London and lived up there, wake up in the morning, clean the flat as it was up there, or clean the house here now make myself a nice breakfast roll and then sit down and watch whatever sport was on. Could have been anything, you know, football, rugby, Formula One, whatever was on on the Saturday. couple of hours till the missus comes home and then, you, you know, you've got to do chores and stuff like that. But I think I'm definitely missing not just rugby because we do talk a lot about rugby on, on the Tuesday Club, but just general sport. I miss it so much. And I know they're doing the reruns. Um, they're doing a good one tomorrow. This is a, a bit of a plug, really, for BBC. Uh, quarter past one tomorrow on BBC One Wales. They play in uh, the 1988 Wales v Scotland game. So if anyone's listening and wants to watch that, actually... That was a crack, yeah. It won't be out in time. It's, I think they were it's wearing past. these sort of shirts as well back then. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were. I remember Bowen with big, long sleeves and that. But we had Jiffy on a couple of weeks ago, Matt, and he was saying mm. that I think people who, even who love sport, those who don't really are probably seeing now how important sport is to, to culture, to lifestyle, to society, whether it be on the TV or live live get-togethers. And three of us, we're craving it, aren't we? 100%. It's, it's um, not to go too back into the depth of mental health, but like the, the release that people have, I think especially men on the whole that, that go and watch football, rugby, whatever on the weekend, it's tribalism, yes, but it's a sense of belonging and togetherness. Um, and fun, and 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 as, and as well, the respect you have for like these professional rugby players, you know, it's it's something like that kind of gladiatorial thing that uh, that's what what we have with rugby, especially. It, and it's sad, yeah, it's absolutely sad. We haven't got that, and you you truly do miss it when it's gone. I know? tell you what, you and, miss as well, probably, Matt, is um, going to games like international games. And waking up in a hotel bed with like two random actors. <laughs> um, <laughs> was that our what game was that, Kyle? Do you know what? Was that, that island? Or... It was Ireland. It was oh. Ireland. That was that was actually Wales the first island. the first time me and you met, and we ended up in bed together on the same night. So <laughs> I got lucky there. Cheap date. Cheap date. <laughs> No. I remember us calling room service and the the lady bringing it in uh, to see the three of it. It probably smelled terrible as well, that room. Um, just just bringing us our breakfast in the the, the nice three way that we had. That it was night. brilliant. I just it was Wales v it was Wales v Island, and if Wales you remember, Island, yeah. it was the game where Ireland were absolutely just pushing Wales' defence on the on the try line, literally for about must have been about twelve minutes, just relentless attack, and the whole stadium for about fifty minutes was like Wales, Wales, you know, as they do, and <laughs> Wales kept them out, and it was like almost scoring two tries because the incredible defence they just like, and everyone knows how how lethal Ireland are when they're around the five meter line. They rarely come away with um, with no points. And, and it yeah. was just brilliant. So uh, we were all lifted, and I think we won the game. I think, um, and I was. <laughs> I can't remember if we won. I think we did. I was staying but, uh... in uh, the Hilton um, because I was filming in um, in and about yeah. Cardiff, and uh, so I went out. And Scott Arthur was our mutual friend. Um, I went to college with Scott. He's a Scarlets boy. Um, and he's like, yeah, come and meet, come meet me for a drink, this and the other. So I sort of went and met him. I was like, oh, this is Matt and everyone. And then the next thing I know, it was like I was amongst a group of people, Matt and a couple of his mates, a couple of Scots friends. And you know when it was like that international day feeling where you've only just met these people, but you feel like you've known them all your life. You're all wearing jerseys or whatever it is. And I just remember leaving Tiger Tiger at God knows what time in the morning going, yeah, come on, boys, we'll have a, I, we'll have a party back in my suite. Come on. I didn't have a suite. I just didn't want to go home Sleep on my over. own. <laughs> Sleepover, yeah. And then, yeah, so it was me, Scott, Arthur and Matt Johnson, three in a bed. And I ordered a cooked breakfast in the morning, and the and the look on the on the woman's face who brought it in, I was like, I was like, adamant. Is there three black puddings? I think it's it's the only way to celebrate a Welsh win now uh, is to is to go and uh, share share a tiny double bed in the Hilton uh, with two uh, two actors. I think that's the only way I want to celebrate from now on. To be honest. 
brilliant. Man. I mean, um, I know you played a bit of rugby, but what I want to ask you and uh, to make our listeners aware is that we were involved in a really fantastic occasion. It was for a charity called Rugby for Heroes, who, who I do a bit of work for. And BT Sport picked it up. It was um, Mike Tyndall, who's the patron of Rugby for Heroes. He put an England team together. And myself and uh, Alan Lamb, Ryan Lamb's dad, we put together the rest of the world of which I coached, which, you know, <laughs> just meant getting the beers in, I think. But um, we had Matt along, along with a few other uh, TV, film, uh, showbiz celebs to play with the likes of Brad Thorne, Shane Williams, David James against Mike Tyndall and all these legends. Andy Cole was there, Dion Dublin. Uh, it was just a brilliant day. So for you, as an aspiring rugby player, Matt, a fan, <laughs> what was it like in that changing room? And Because we had Zinzan Brook, who was, who was um, the team manager with me, and to have them in there, AJ Venter, uh, Serge Betts, and what was it like to, to sort of get on the field and play in amongst all those legends? I've got to tell you, um, it was one of the best experiences of my entire life. It really genuinely was. I, I remember just walking in there on the first day and getting our stash, which was the best thing in the world. You get, we got so much gear and, you know, t-shirts and trainers and boots and bags and shorts and all the stuff. And you get, you got your name printed on your stuff and your jersey and all that. And then just looking around and like seeing Zinzan Brook, like one of my rugby heroes, hands down. Uh, I got him to sign one of my, um, my, I collect classic jerseys. This is why I've got loads of these, um, and especially kind of um, Kiwi, New Zealand jerseys and stuff. And he signed my old Steinlager um, jersey. And like, just looking around, Shane Williams was on my side. I was just like, <laughs> Justin Marshall. Uh, it was just incredible. And, I, and, and I've got to say, if you were on the coaching staff, which you were, you put me in the starting lineup. And my friends, right, all the boys from back home, uh, Stefan Sankala, he, um, he tweeted me. He's like, I'd never thought I'd see this. And he was the team sheets. And he was like, <laughs> Brad Thorne, you know, managed by, by these great guys, Shane Williams, Matt Johnson. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> and I'll never forget it. I, I'll never forget it. The, the nerves I had um, before the game were massive because when you think about it and, and you look at, look at um, Mike Tyndall, he's massive. Like it's, it's just you know, impossible to, to tackle these guys when you're, when you're not a professional rugby player. But um, as you know, uh, both of you know, when you get out there and you put, get out, it was just, we were at the stoop in uh, the, the Harlequins ground. My, my entire family were there. I know my dad was there and he's proud. And uh, it was, you know, one of the best experiences of my entire life. And apparently it was a lot like a Barbarians tour. Yeah. Yeah. yeah where, <laughs> where, apart from where you all get like a load of 50 pound notes in your boots. We never got that. That was all for the charity. That's barbarians. But um, <laughs> on the drinking side, it was up there, mate, wasn't it? But I can remember, I can remember, because even what you have to understand is with these um, sort of invitational games, friendlies, there's no such thing as a friendly. So we had a, the day before a little team run and Neil Back was the England coach. And I went along to Neil and I said, look, we should really set some boundaries here. Let's have a little run against each other. And we were just doing a little bit of throwing the ball around, Matt, when we did a couple of backs moves that Justin Marshall was organising, a couple of line-outs that Ryan Jones was organising for the for the forwards. And I sidled over the back, and I said, look, let's have a little. And I can remember Shane Byrne, the Irish hooker, the Lions hooker, come up to me and said, there ain't no such thing as grab and touch in this, mate. I said, don't worry, I know I've been there with this before. I can remember Matt's face distinctly on the night, because I gave a bit of a team talk, and I just talked about the charity and you know, what it meant to people in transition. And it goes back a bit to mental health because Rugby with Heroes is about the transition from military life to back to Civvy Street and the pressures and the mental health issues that they have to go with, the servicemen and women. And, and I just talked about that. And, and that sort of thing resonates with showbiz guys going from one role to another, actors to, you know, one contract, one TV show, then you're off work. The same as players when they finish, same as coaches when they, they lose a job or move on. You don't know where the next job is going. So it resonated. And we were also a little bit pumped up. And then Zinzan gives a talk. And I remember seeing Matt's face. And I'm thinking, he looks a little bit worried here. Because you would be, you're going out, all of them who were, weren't official professional rugby players. As, as Matt says, you're going out and playing. And these guys ain't going to hold back. I remember Louis Spence 
got tackled by Shane Williams. I was just going to say that. I was at the game and that he, Shane Neal got tackled by him. And he yeah. got up and squared up to Shane. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. It's hilarious. But what an experience for all of us. It was fantastic. It was, it was, it was magical. It was because, you know, I thought I'd played my last rugby game probably 10 years before that and all that stuff. And then, to, and then to be in that situation and to be in that locker room, to have all those guys and then have a team talk and get wound up again. I haven't been wound up to do anything. I've got to calm myself down all the time to go on telly. I can't be psyched up. So I was just, it was, it was incredible. I remember tackling, who's the, the um, tall England second row? Simon Shaw. Simon Shaw. I tackled him and, and I did it. I tackled him and probably did it and all that type of stuff. The adrenaline rush that I had, I got up and I immediately ran and jumped into the, the England backs, the, the backs line defense. I didn't know where I was. <laughs> I just thought, because you're, you're in the stoop, is everything. I was like, ah, like you've got to do something. <laughs> Luckily, I got into the right spot. But um, what, one of my favorite things is um, I tackled um, Mike Tyndall and he went off afterwards. And I think he was because of me. And you that's my, my, I smashed him, you know. And, and to be honest, I, I'm pretty sure he's still hurting. <laughs> it, was, it was a big one but yeah it was, it was the best I'm, I'm desperate for them to do it again I'm disappointed they didn't do it for the World Cup last year but um, if they did another one I'm definitely putting my hand in the in the, throwing my hat into the room for that I remember watching that game boys it was it was a couple of years ago now and uh, it, it was for somebody who was then like obviously I've had a little bit of you know a touch of limelight with Outlander and nothing to do with me just because the show was so big but profiles being raised very thankful for that but it was something as a massive rugby fan and an actor being like one day I'd love to play in because you all, I always watch the um, the football one as well Soccer Aid you know, and it just seems yeah. like so much fun. Obviously, it's not as rough as the <laughs> Rugby for Heroes match was. But um, no. but yeah, obviously on the Tuesday Club, Matt, we do talk uh, a lot of rugby. We talk a lot of showbiz. So I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions now, mate. Um, okay. First off, I just want to touch in. Uh, you had a little uh, go of acting yourself, didn't you, and Gavin and Stacey? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a bit about I- that. Do you, know, do you know the full story with that? Yeah, go on. I um, I was working my butt off trying to get into TV, and I didn't have any work or anything. So I was temping in uh, on Newport Road in a place called Land of Leather, which is not a sex shop. It's a leather sofa <laughs> store. And um, so I, I was there. I was temping, and I got a call from my friend Ross, who still is my close friend. Uh, he was a third, I do believe, on... Um, third assistant director on uh, Gavin and Stacey. Is that Ross Coughlin? No, no. Yeah, Ross Coughlin. Yeah, yeah, no, Ross, yeah. Good guy. Yeah. Good egg, good egg. Uh, sorted me right out. He said, look, I've got a week's work for you if you um, if you want. I'm working on this new BBC thing. We don't even know what it is. It's comedy, Gavin and Stacey. Uh, it's got loads of big stars like Ruth Jones and all that. But um, our guy that's going to play uh, Stacey's brother's boyfriend, Jose, uh, it's got food poisoning, and he's Portuguese, Portuguese, and he can't make it. You're the only Spanish-looking friend that I have. <laughs> will you, will you take a photo of yourself and send it to the producer? So I went off to TGI Fridays next door, took a photo of myself in the loo because I was embarrassed because that, that was before selfies were kind of um, allowed. Um, it was a faux pas, and um, <laughs> and I got the part. I don't know how I got the part, and, and I didn't even know how to act at all. So I did then two weeks' work on uh, the iconic, now iconic, Gavin and Stacey playing Jose, Stacey's brother's boyfriend. And that set you um, up, then, to become it, Wales's sexiest man a couple of years later, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Matt Johnson, hey, the Welsh Portuguese what? actor presenter. <laughs> I, I, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Um, but to be honest, out of all the stuff I've done and I've done since and I, I will do, I think everybody would be more interested in that one tiny, terrible role that I had in Gavin and Stacey. <laughs> do you know what, Sean? Mate? Another funny story for you. Um, well, I went, went to London. Obviously, I moved back from London at this point and I was, I was going up for <laughs> He knows already what it is. Like. I know. <laughs> and... Uh, and I've 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 had a call off my agent, Kyle. You got to go up for an advert um, a meeting, 
um, when you go for commercials, right, they're, they're very well paid commercials nowadays. They're all buyouts. You get a big lumper. So lots of people do them. And um, they were like, it's a it's a Dairy Lee commercial, right? And they need like two sort of knights riding on their horses in this kid's imagination. Great. Go up. Um, got a couple of hours to kill. For Matt. All right, do you want to come for a coffee? Yeah, sound great. Met up. I was like, do you know what? There's two They've cast in two parts in here, so blagged Matt into the audition with me to for Dairy Lee adverts, right? We go in there now. I'm like, hi, I'm Kyle. And they're like, this is my friend Matt. He's coming into audition as well. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Honest to God, never so unprofessional. It was ridiculous, mate. But um, it was a laugh. And we both we went in, acted like a bunch of bloody, I don't know, some beep, we'll beep that word. But we had a laugh anyway. We didn't get the job. <laughs> you, we didn't get the job, and and I, you missed out a vital part of this story. Go on. You came up a day too early for the audition. Oh yeah, that's what it was. You, you went. We went to have coffee, and you were like, "All right, I've got to go in. I'll do all this thing." And, and you, you spoke to your agent. She was like, "It's tomorrow." So you <laughs> went back home because you had work or something. You came back up to London, and in that time, you managed to flag to get me in there. I'd never been so nervous or like. Or worried that I was going to ruin your career because you you never know in these casting rooms I could have ruined everything for you. Nah, it was just fun. it was funny. Actor. I've just got a good memory of me and you sitting on stools in front and auditions for adverts. There's there's about fifteen people in the room. Uh, you got to stand there. You got to show your hands. You got to do profiles. Um, and I just I, knew, I didn't know this, did I? I was like, huh? <laughs> oh, my but, uh, agency. Brilliant, my name is Matt. Brilliant. But I want to I want to ask you about another one, Matt. Um, I must confess, I haven't seen the episode, but you were a celebrity guest on Take Me Out. And I love that show purely because I love um, human behavior and watching people and people's reactions. What was it like to be on that? No lighty, no likey. <laughs> it was great, actually. I, um, it was a ch- Christmas charity special. So what that means is uh, well, they shoot the entire series and then they throw on the end a celeb special. Um, so you've got all the cast, everybody's there, and everybody's ready to party. It's like the rap party and everything. And it was me, Keith Lemon, Lee, Lee Francis, uh, Joe Swash, and Paddy. Obviously, Paddy is like a legend, so he's working. But we went to Fernando's, Tenerife, straight away after the <laughs> Tenerife. rap party. Uh, Tenerife. And um, I, it was like a stag do. I can't remember. I we The date... In Fernandez is only like two hours or something. The rest of the time, we just had a jolly. It was like, again, one of those things that you do your job, you love your job, you do everything. And there's, ex- there's the odd bonus now and then when you get to do stuff like that. Raise money for charity. Come down the love lift or love shaft or whatever yeah. it's called. So I think I, I put um, Guns N' Roses, Welcome to the Jungle. I've just and- got the title for this episode, the love shaft one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. And I, can't, I, I picked a lovely girl called Charlotte, I think, who is a burlesque dancer. And I saw her for two hours. Um, and, and we lost Joe Swash. Oh. <laughs> now, uh, yeah. I, I, I refer you to my jersey behind my shoulder here. This is Scott Gibbs' original first away shirt in the Ospreys 2003. And I know you've got a bit of a retro shirt fetish. Tell us about your collection. I, re- I really do. It's It's getting out of control at the moment as well. So I've been collecting jerseys for probably 10 years. Um, so I got weird collections as it is. So I collect wrestling figures um, from, <laughs> from, the, from the 90s. Um, but um, that's the reason I'm just buying back my childhood, basically, with all that. I'm getting them all uh, in their packaging uh, in mint condition. But um, the rugby jersey thing is, like at the moment, because of lockdown, I'm just scanning eBay for, for the most recent thing. I bought was, I got the old Cardiff jersey, the Nike one. Uh, I think Nigel Walker would have made it famous. I see um, that, yeah. I used to have that in 90, 1998. It's one of my favorite ones. My favorite, I got two favorites. This is my my one favorite because of Christian Cullen. I was a huge Cullen fan back in the day. And I, you couldn't get these at all back in the day. Um, and they're about a 200 quid now. Uh, and I managed to get one on eBay for 50 quid. It was one of the best days. Oh. <laughs> and my my absolute favorite, um, one of the best Lions tours ever, is the 1997 tour to South Africa. And I've got that jersey with the Scottish Provident. And um, 
and, I, and that's that's my most expensive one. But I, I, it's it's mint condition. I'll probably I'll probably wear it if we manage if we ever go to South Africa next year for the tour. But um, yeah, this collection. Uh, my girlfriend's. We're gonna have to have like a little outhouse for all of these. She's not gonna <laughs> want them on the wall. Like I'm jealous of the Scott Gibbs one because I, I really want to get it mounted. I've got a few signed ones. Like um, I got the one that I, that I wore for Rugby Eight uh, signed. They got my Zins and Brooks signed one. I got New Zealand and uh, New Zealand squad for the Lions tour in 2017 and the Lions one. So I, I kind of want to get them mounted like you've got there. But my missus is not going to have it. She's a stylist. So she's all about everything's going to look great. And I'm going to whack a massive lion's thing there. <laughs> it would be banging. But um, yeah, yeah, it is a fe- it is a, it's, a, it's an obsession of mine at the moment. I love it. I really do love I, it. I'm the same. I'm a memorabilia freak. And uh, I'm in my office at the moment. But I've got a, uh, a, well, it's a TV room it is for, it's meant to be for the kids. But I've got a big screen in there. But I've got a lot of my shirts all over the wall. So maybe the next podcast, I'll, um, I'll do it from there because I know Kyle, you, you, uh, you like your memorabilia as well. You've got your Max Boyce um, disc behind you, but yeah, it's just, and it, it's memories as well, Matt, as much as anything, you know, I, I collected all programs and I, every event I do, as you know, I host a lot of events and stuff with all these legends. I, 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 I collect like the, you know, the menu card or the, um, whatever you get, I, I get the, the celeb I'm working with to sign it and I keep them all. Cause I just think for one, at one time, maybe my kids would look back as much as nice for me to keep them. It'd be nice for them to, to look back on and maybe grandkids as well. So that's why I do that. But listen, mate, what, what's idea. next? What's next for Matt Johnson? You're in so Ooh. much. And, and another thing, are you sick and tired yet of um, someone's knocking at your door <laughs> and, and people shouting, Oh, I haven't won the postcode lottery yet, but do you know what? I just want to say something, right? I know we were talking about mental health and all the rest of it. And everyone, you know, it's nice to see people now being nice to each other. And there's an advert on Nationwide and she says, you know, people are actually mean it now and they're asking, how are you? And I don't know why, but when I see somebody, Sean knows this because I stuck up for him on a train once when people were hurling abuse at him. Some guy said to you on Twitter something quite, well, it was quite rude actually about that song. And when I saw it, I just... Um, he said something like, I thought it was quite funny. It was banter, but, you know, in on social media, it's, it goes a bit far. And he said to you, um, someone's knocking at the door. Do you remember? And then f- followed it up with something else. I won't mention it on the podcast. Okay. And yeah. I, do you oh, remember? yeah, yeah. And I die straight in. It was a, it was a <laughs> meme. Yeah, that's it. it. It was a meme in the last few weeks. The thing is, it, with any advert, ask Win Evans what it's like to be in a popular, and uh, you know, Marmighty advert. It's... It's, do you know what? I, I give money. I give money to people, and um, all the all the characters that you see in the advert are real people. So we go around the country delivering these big checks to, uh, to and and uh, very surprised people because I think a lot of people think it's a hoax mm. or whatever. They sign up to something and think, oh, it's never going to happen, whatever. And we we genuinely go. And there was a meme, wasn't it, a couple of weeks ago in in the first week of lockdown? It was someone's knocking on the door. Some, and, and it was me then knocking on the door and then somebody opened it saying, off, we're in lockdown. And, and I just thought it was brilliant. And I, I don't mind that. I like, I like the banter. It shows that you're doing something if you get some people getting annoyed with it. I mean, yeah. like, if, if, you, if you're watching TV adverts all the time and it keeps coming on, and I can imagine it can kind of get a little bit annoying. But uh, there was one time when I finished the shoot I can't wear red anywhere anymore, which is probably why I'm not wearing the Welsh jersey you now, because I get sung that song everywhere I go. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to be remembered. Like it doesn't matter what I do in the world of mental health. I can I can find a cure for depression, but I, I will be remembered for Gavin and Stacey Jose and the guy from the Postcode Lottery advert, and I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm I've had my peace with it now. It's absolutely fine. There was one time where I finished the shoot. I was in my red jumper. I was flying to Ibiza on a Saturday evening. So I was at Luton Airport, which is one of my worst, the worst ever airports in the entire world um, anyway. But we were delayed in the um, airport for three hours. It was when all the French um, strikes were happening. Uh, and I was in my red jumper. So everybody's tanked up on a Saturday night, oh. flying to Parma, Costa del Sol, Ibiza, <laughs> singing the song to me. There must have been, if there was 50, there was... 200 i have no idea um everybody was really nice i got a bit bored of it after an hour and then 
luckily it was time to board the flight got onto the flight onto the easy jet sleazy jet we uh i sat at the back <laughs> and it was a gang of lads you know back of the bus kind of mentality singing the song i was like all right that's okay fine we'll, we'll get to ibiza soon and you can just you can get on with your, your, your with the rest of your life we were delayed on that plane for three hours on the tarmac oh no and it was the only way I got out of them stopping singing the song, because that was their only entertainment, was because I bought my friend four massive galaxy bars, because she lives out in Ibiza, and she doesn't have galaxy bars. And I was just dishing out galaxies to them. I was like, please, lads, just don't just have some galaxy. They're like, all right, all right, okay, fine, fine, fine. So that was, that was one of the bad experiences. But when it comes to Twitter, I mean, if, if you, yeah, what, you've, got to, you've got to kind of brush things off like that, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I don't want to stoke the fire with it. I do it a lot when I'm angry. So I know what I'm like if I'm angry. So if somebody's angry to me, they might be angry because of something mm. in their life. I don't want to stamp on that. I, there must be a reason for that. So I, yeah. I'm trying to be a bit more compassionate towards all that. But now and again, you do get the odd prick, don't you? That's what, that's just life. Well, that's right? what it was. You, This guy wrote something to you and you said back, you, you were very nice. And I was just like, I just felt bad. So I think I chirped up at him with, and I just said, off, mate, you know, who the F are you? Like, but, uh, but no, I've, I've seen that quite a lot because you are, you're, you're too nice to people that, that give well, you a bit of a ribbon, mate. It's that, it's that saying, isn't it? Kill people with kindness. And, yeah. and I yeah. used to do it. And I think it used to be a, like a, a tool, like a, like a weapon I had. But now, but now actually doing all these podcasts about mental health, having all these talks, being in like government, conversations about you know my friend took her own life because of the fear of judgment of social media only recently mm. so i'm more than aware of the 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 massive stampede herd mentality of what social media does so all i do now is try to nip it in the bud or ignore it i often have a couple of drinks and like what you did carl if somebody picks on ruth uh and Eamon and i'm like Fuck you! and and and, I, and do you know what it's it's one of those things. So now knowing why I berate people or chirp or, or have an argument is usually because I'm not in a good place myself. Uh, so I try, I, like I said, I try and be compassionate towards it because there's this wonderful quote that I uh, was sent by a good friend of mine. And it was, a, um, a snowflake never feels responsible for the avalanche, meaning that one person going, oh, I don't like your skirt or your eyes today is just one person's opinion. But when you have that on multiple occasions on social media, it's that snowball mentality just builds up and builds up and builds up. So that one person thinking or saying, oh, it's only me in my opinion. What does that matter? You think, yeah, but when you have a thousand people saying that, you become part of a huge problem. And and so I'm just trying to nip it in the bud. But thanks for sticking up for me, Kyle. Never <laughs> Sorry, mate. I might, I might, I might. A lot of people might take the mick out of me. I might seem simple at times. I'm not. But one thing I am is loyal, and I don't like seeing people who I love or I'm friendly with having any sort of targeted harassment or anything. Sean knows because he took me very kindly up to a, a hospitality in Cardiff, and when we were coming home, there was a bunch of. Um, I think they were Scarlet fans, and just because he'd coached the Ospreys quite successfully, I might add, they were giving him a bit of jip, and obviously he did take me to a hospitality day. I was tanked up because it was free booze all day, <laughs> and then I got straight up, and I rushed down the aisle. It was about four of them, and I was like, oh, you don't, don't you bloody say anything to him, I bloody kill you, and all that, and Sean was just sitting, he was like, oh, you're just, Sean was just sitting there, like, oh, like, just like smiling, and you know, these people next to him were saying, oh, we so sorry. He's like, I get it all the time, it's fine, you know, you just got to sit, but I, I never been around that i'd never seen you know because he's a face of on, on the tv or a face on the tv i'm not a face of anything um but you know it's it's difficult to see firsthand when one of your friends is having abuse in public just yeah, for being on course. the tv or doing their job but yeah so oh, mate it, it, it's it's outstanding it, it's astonishing what people can say and, and that's the thing i think um, Sean will know, being a sportsman and especially a coach of a club, the level of uh, judgment and abuse is absolutely huge on social media, on on the pitch side. People feel as if they can berate and shout at yeah. the human being. And, you know, we've all been there and gone, oh, bloody Cuthbert knocked it on again. And like shouting, you go, you know what, though? I'm going to leave it at the stadium. I'm not going to, yeah. you know, underneath Scrum 5's tweets 
go and go to town on who and what I think. You know, I think uh, that's one of the biggest issues I think in our society, and especially if you're on a train and you're you're getting berated at two in the morning or something. It's just not because that's when things can go wrong. You know, mm. I think the day of people are saying as well, you put yourself in that. Um, sort of arena you have to have thick uh, thick skin or tough skin to deal with it but i think the day of saying that is gone it's just like you said it's just not yeah, needed people are there doing their jobs and at the end of the day we're all human uh people make mistakes rugby players make mistakes presenters make mistakes actors make mistakes the only thing with an actor making a mistake is we can cut that out you don't really see a normally you two do live tv so if you make a mistake then you know everyone sees it but you yeah. rarely do boys because you're absolute professional diamond lovely men oh yes um yeah. right but that's the good, thing I, go on go on so what what um and you're absolutely right nobody signs up for abuse you sign no. up to do your job and to do it well and people like it and gonna dislike it that's fine but nobody nobody signs up to be called names on trains or to be told you're ugly on social media you know that's not part of any job and it shouldn't be and and that's that's one of the things we just sort out on social media. Yeah. Maybe, um, Kyle, you can head up the social media police and you'll be tough love police officer, I know. You, you, can, you can have like a virtual truncheon and, and just batter <laughs> people who are, me, who are mean to me. Mate, I do anything for you. You know what? <laughs> I do anything for you, boys, anything. <laughs> Right then, uh, we're coming towards the end now, Matt. It's been brilliant, Amir. I wish we could uh, chat all day, but we know you're very busy. So we're going to go on to a couple of questions now that we ask all our guests, um, going back to the sort of showbiz theme. So the first thing is uh, your top three movies of all times, going from number three to number one. Oh, God. God, it's a difficult question. I'm going to say... Uh, life is beautiful. Um, it's one of the most beautiful um, war movies I've ever seen. Um, it's very sad. Never seen that. Quite like, oh, it's gorgeous. It's a brilliant one. Life is beautiful. Um, I can't remember the lead actor's name. He's fantastic in it. It's, it's about the Holocaust. It's incredible. Um, I'm going to say, can I put a trilogy as one film? Yes. Yeah, go on. You yeah, can do what you want. I'm going to say, Christopher Nolan's Batman. Yeah, I, I could watch them every day, all day. Uh, I think they're one of the, the best superhero movies of all time. And my number one film of all time, Pulp Fiction. Oh, Pulp Fiction. Film. Do you know what? We haven't had anybody, any guests with 14 episodes in. Nobody has mentioned a Quentin Tarantino film yet. And, uh, really? Yeah, nobody. But that is probably, I think, that's his best one. Three, three top choices. Or five top choices. It's a difficult if you question. Three. It's a difficult it question because there's so many, isn't it? There's so many. You so can many, pick. and it depends on your mood and all that type of stuff. But I always think of it like if it's my favorite film, is it something I could watch every day? If I was stuck on an island and I only had one DVD to play, and that was my only form of entertainment, what film would it be? And it would be Pulp Fiction because it's like four films in one. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay, Matt. So here's the million dollar question. Uh, in the epic that is The Life and Times, Matt Johnson, who, which actor are you going to choose to play you? Oh, Kyle? Oh, everybody's saying Everyone that. Everyone says <laughs> that. I've got so much weight to lose to play all these handsome <laughs> men. Like, <laughs> do, do, you know, do you know what it is? It's because there's another actor in the room and it would be rude to say somebody else. It nah. would be the worst thing. I don't mean it. I would pick... Um, I've got a pearler. What do you mean? No, I I know one. I want yours first. I know who would play you down to the T. Um, I don't think they have to be Welsh because no. obviously actors can do different accents, right? But there's not a lot of actors that can do a Welsh accent, though. <laughs> I think it's, I think it would be a great one. And I and I and I and I oh god! I always get told that I look like. Um, the Irish actor Colin Farrell. I don't see that now. Yeah, when I was yeah, younger, you you do a bit, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 from very 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 far away, people say that I look like Jake Gyllenhaal, but I can't imagine him doing a Welsh accent. So I'm going to throw Matthew Rhys into the ring. Yeah, Matthew. Oh. Matthew. Yeah, Matthew. Matthew could do anything, though, can he? We had him on a few weeks ago as well. He's, he's outstanding, isn't he? I oh. watched. Um, 
what's what was it called um the neighborhood one with tom hanks um beautiful day in the neighborhood yes yeah the most recent one and, and he's in matthew reese is incredible he's like gonna be one of, he's like what's his name anthony hopkins level he's gonna be incredible. i'm excited to like see his new um his new series perry mason um i seen the trailer got released this week and he mentioned it when he was on with me and sean a few weeks ago and then they've set it in like a an la noir kind of um era and it looks brilliant and every clip he's in you just even though they're only like two seconds long you just look and you just think jesus he's brilliant man yeah, I th- I yeah. think he's got it. And going off Gavin and Stacey, the actor for you would be Antonio Banderas. Or <laughs> 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 <Jose. laughs> Weirdly enough, I I I watched to just to really pick my mood up, Philadelphia the other week. And and I didn't realise that Antonio Banderas was in it. Yeah, he's a good actor. I'll have that. Yeah. Fine, <laughs> You've thank gotta you. take that. He's, good, he's, he's from the Costa del Sol, isn't he? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that. Thanks for the compliment. You're welcome. He also plays Puss in Boots in. Uh, yes, Shrek. he does. Boots in Boots. He's got such range. He's brilliant. I love him. Right, Matt. It's been great having you on the podcast. Um, I've lost my screen. Can you still see me, boys? Yes. Yeah, I can't see you, but it doesn't matter. It's recording anyway. But uh, right, Matt, thanks very much for uh, for coming on the podcast. It's been great having you on. Um, I hope everything's all right in lockdown there up in London and uh, you're staying safe. But we can't let you go without doing our special Tuesday club up and under with Matt Johnson. You ready? Ready, born ready. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, here we go. Quick fire answers, no ambiguity, straight away. Whiskey or gin? Whiskey. Football or rugby? Rugby, always. Coffee or tea? Tea. Cardiff or London? Cardiff. TV or film? Film. Sun or ski? Sun. Postcode lottery advert or take me out? <laughs> Postcode lottery advert. Eamon Holmes or Philip Schofield? Eamon Holmes. Ah, <laughs> oh, straight answer, straight to the day. Matt Johnson, you've been a legend. It's great to see you, mate. Lovely to see you too. Dior and Vowel, boys. Cheers, great Sean. Show. Cheers, Sean. Cheers, Matt. Thank you very much for coming on today, mate. It's been brilliant. My pleasure. Wales. Hoil Vowel. Wales. Wheels! <laughs> See you guys. Stay <laughs> tuned, Kyle. See you, boys. Bye. Take care, boys. Ta-da.